again, we are incredibly excited that you are with us, and it is our fall kickoff day. And one of the things that we do at fall kickoff is we start a new sermon series. And so we're going to continue through the book of Romans, but we're going to change the theme up a little bit. And our theme is how to get unstuck. And so I don't know if you can tell or not, but you probably can from talking to me longer than 10 seconds, that I am not a creature of routine. I do not keep routines. I don't like routines. Anybody in here, are you a routine person? Go ahead, put your hand up. Be proud about it, all right? Put your hand up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Look at these reliable, efficient weirdos, right? Like with your crazy routines. But I get it. Like, I get it. That's what drives you. You're the type of person you got to wake up at the same time. You got to have the coffee before you talk to anybody, whatever it is. Like, you've got your little routines and they help you, right? Like, I am not that way. If I get locked into a routine, I feel like Bill Murray and Groundhog's Day, you know what I mean? And me and Pucks Tommy Phil, we're going off the edge, all right? Like, I am not going to make it. But here's the thing even if you're a routine person, eventually we can take that too far and we can get stuck in a rut, right? Like we can feel stuck and we're just in a rut. Like for example, when we all went through, you remember that, uh, what was it called? COVID. Remember when we went through that COVID thing and we're all locked down in our homes and every day it's the same thing over and over and over again. Do you guys remember going through all of that? We felt stuck. We were in a rut. Was I the only one who was constantly rearranging my furniture, trying to like trick my brain into thinking I'm somewhere new? I'm like, oh, is this the magic kingdom? My couch doesn't face this way, right? Like I just, I'm just trying to get out of being stuck, right? And, and that happens to, in all areas of our lives. It can happen in your work. You get stuck in a rut. It can happen in your relationships. You get stuck in a rut. And it can happen to us spiritually too and how we relate to God. And if, if you're honest, there are some people here today, when you think about how you relate to God, you think about your relationship with God, you feel stuck. That's just where you are. You feel like you're in a rut. And when, you, when you're honest about it, when you think about that, when you think about how you relate to God right now, there's, there's no joy. Instead, maybe there's some anxiety. Maybe there's some fear. Maybe you're frustrated. And maybe you're just plain burned out. Can I tell you, if that's where you find yourself today, I don't want you to feel alone. We've all been there. We've all been there. And there's hope. And there's a lot of different reasons why maybe we end up in a place in our relationship with God where we feel stuck, where we feel like we're in a rut. And we're not going to hit all those reasons today. In fact, I want to focus in on one thing that Paul's going to talk about in Romans chapter 7 that I think may explain why some of us keep finding ourselves in this place of being stuck. But before we get there, we get to Romans 7, where Paul has been he's, been, he's been unpacking this masterful argument. That's what the book of Romans is. And in this masterful argument, one of the things he talks about is our relationship to the law, right? And he says, at one point, we were all on the same ladder to God. We're climbing the same ladder, and it's a ladder of do's and don'ts, right? Like, that's the law. And another way to, to call that ladder, we could call it the ladder of performance, right? Like, we need to perform in a certain way so that we are brought close to God. We need to make sure that we're doing the things we're supposed to be doing and not doing the things we're not supposed to be doing so that we can make our way to God. Sound familiar? Sound like religion, right? We all get that. We all understand that. But then what we see, what Paul has revealed to us in the book of Romans, what he writes about all over the scriptures is that now there's another way for us. And here it is. Look at Ephesians chapter two. He says this, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And so what he says is like, look, you're off that ladder of performance forever. The do's and the don'ts, no, 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 no. You are made right with me, why? Because of a gift, not anything you've done. 
Not because you did it right or you didn't do it wrong. Forget all of that. Instead, it is an absolute gift that he is offering us, right? We are forever off of that performance ladder. And now what God is inviting us to do is not to live a life of performance in front of him, the do's and the don'ts, but instead to live a life of relationship with him. And Paul illustrates that in Romans 7, what we're gonna look at today, and he uses the analogy of marriage. Let's look at it together. Look at Romans chapter seven. This is starting in verse one. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, the do's and the don'ts, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband's still alive, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. And so what's he saying? Look, he says, you've died to the do's and the don'ts. You've died to that performance. That is not the primary way that you relate to God anymore. This is not about you making sure you're doing everything right, climbing up that ladder to get close to God. Forget that. Instead, it says, you, are, you now belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. What's he saying? Jesus is alive. He really really wants a relationship with you. He really wants to know you and he wants you to know him. That is our new path. That is what we are on. So why is Paul making this argument? Probably for the same reason why you may find yourself stuck in your relationship with God today. Maybe for the same reason that you find yourself in a rut when you think about your relationship with God today. And here it is. Though we are under grace, Though we are no longer connected to and trapped on that ladder of performance, we keep going back to it, don't we? Like though we've been set free of the do's and don'ts, we keep running back to them, right? Like you think about your own life and you you think like your life is a mess right now or you mess up whatever, what do you do? You go right back to performance. I gotta fix this. If I'm gonna get close to God again, I gotta do all the do's and don't do all the don'ts, right? You tracking with me? There's a lot of do's and don'ts in there. But like if you, that like we go right back to it. Though we've been set free of it, we go right back to the one that we no longer belong to. We jump right back on that ladder of performance. Am I the only one? And when I think about that, like I, maybe, maybe one of the reasons we do that is because it's the only way that, that you've been taught to primarily relate to God is, is through that performance, right? Like maybe you grew up in church like I did. And growing up in church, I learned something that, that I would call the, the checklist relationship, Right? where you've got your checklist. You, if you want a relationship with God, here's what it looks like. It's formula. You do these things and you don't do these things, right? Like you do read your Bible, you do pray, you do good, you do go to church, you do blah, 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 right? You don't smoke, drink, or chew or go with girls that do, right? Like you've got, like you've got your do's and you've got your don'ts and that's how you have a relationship with God. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with that except when we become preoccupied with that performance when it's all about how we are doing, right? Because some of those things may start out as spiritual disciplines to lead you to God. Do read your Bible. Yeah, that's spiritual discipline that'll lead you to God. Do pray. Yeah, that is spiritual discipline that will lead you to God. However, when we become preoccupied with the performance, how well we're doing those things, they transform. No longer are they spiritual disciplines that lead us to God. Instead, they become a spiritual performance that just lead us to pride. Because one of the things we realize is that our checklist performance, it's actually not about God at all. It's about us. It's about us feeling better about ourselves. It's about us thinking that, that maybe we got it all together. Um, when I was in, in high school, I was really involved with this, uh, this youth group. Um, I know, I sound really cool, I was. 
Uh, but I was, re- I was really involved with this uh, youth group. Someone laughed really hard, and I'm going to watch the video later. I'm going to find out who that was. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I, I was involved with this youth group, and, and at the start of the year, they would always try to do like a Bible reading plan with everybody. Well, one year, there had been something that had been released, and it was a chronological daily Bible. Now, now here's what that means, is that the Bible itself, of course, it's not in chronological order. Um, and so someone took it, and they, they put it in chronological order, and then they, they, they chopped it up into, if you want to read the Bible in 365 days, this is what you have to do every day. Like, read this to say whatever. So we got really into it, right, in, in my youth group, right? And so I was all on board. I got the Bible, and I'm like, I'm reading through it, right? And it was difficult at times, you know what I mean? But, like, I was, I was in it. I remember we'd come to church, and someone would be like, did you read your, your, your Bible today? I was like, did I read my Bible today? Who are you talking to? You know what I mean? Like, of course I did. And like, what'd you read? And I was like, it was first or second Habakkuk Hezekiah, right? Like, but I read it, okay? Like, that's the point, is that I read it. And then I remember them asking me, what did it mean to you? And I was like, what did it mean to me? Check, that's what it meant. You know what I mean? Like, I did it. I checked it off the list. And I even remember saying things like, you know what? When I read my Bible in the morning, I feel better than the days that I don't. Because the days that I don't, sometimes I'd feel real guilt and I'd feel real shame. And then one of the things that made me realize was that this checklist performance that I had, I had drawn up between me and God, it wasn't about him at all. It was about me. I mean, one of the reasons why we can see that is it's my list. He didn't give me that list. I made that list. And that list is about me feeling more worthy, me feeling like a good Christian, me feeling better than the person next to me. That's really what it turns out to be. And you know, in my own life, I slip into that performance all the time. I mean, I think about maybe I'm, I'm dealing with a difficult thing in my life. Maybe, maybe I've just had like a rough attitude I've been battling all week or like, like I just haven't really been praying all week and I'm just, I'm just in this, like, this, this tough place, you know? And, and you know what my response is? My response is to always run back to performance. My response is always do better, work harder, okay? Like, like you need to fix this, all right? You know the do's and the don'ts. Get back on that ladder. You need to do this, work better, perform, 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 perform. Do you know what the voice of Jesus says? He says this. Hey, are you tired? Are you, are you overwhelmed? Come to me and I will give you rest. That's what he says. But what do I have in my head? I have that performance voice. Work harder. No, 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 fix it. You need to fix it. All the while, Jesus is telling me, you need to come rest, but I can't rest. I don't have time to rest. I gotta fix it. I gotta do more. I gotta be better. I gotta work harder, right? Anyone else feel that pressure? And then, and then where does this leave us? Where does our performance-based life leave us? Look at Romans 7. Look at, look at the next verse, verse five. When we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law, the do's and the don'ts were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. Does it lead you to be more alive? Can we just be honest? When we're all about that performance, we're all about making ourselves look good before God, does that actually lead you to life? It doesn't for me. You know where it leads me? I end up being busier than ever before. I'm overcommitted. I, I become overly competitive. I'm jealous. I'm envious. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm worried. I struggle to receive love from people. I, I'm quick to anger, and I'm just plain tired. And maybe for some of you in this room, when you think about how you relate to God, when you think about your relationship to God, or maybe, maybe the lack of it right now in your life, when you think about just you and God, that's where you feel. That's exactly how you feel. You feel tired. Like there's not peace there. There's insecurity there. There's not joy there. There's anxiety there. But remember this, God has taken us off that ladder of performance. He doesn't want anything from you. C.S. Lewis one time said, God doesn't want something from us. He simply wants us. That's it. There's this encounter Jesus has um, in Matthew. I, I want to show it to you. 
Let's read it together. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus ate with people who couldn't give him anything. The people who weren't performing is who Jesus chose to spend his time with. Think about it. The people who were performing, the people who could have presented him with righteous acts or whatever, he tells them to go away. That's his response. Hey, go and learn what this means. Get out of here. What Jesus does is he draws near to the people who aren't performing. He draws near to the people who can only bring him need. That is his love, right? And he does the same thing for you and for me. Look at Romans chapter five, verse eight. We've read it before, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we couldn't perform, he gave us everything. When we couldn't perform, he drew near to us. He came and got us, right? God doesn't want anything from you. I think about, um, we, we bring up the story of the prodigal son a lot as we've been in the book of Romans, maybe because it's like the picture of, you know, the good news of Jesus. But in that, if you remember the story, the son's coming home. He recognizes he's far from the father. He's feeling everything we've just talked about that performance makes you feel. He's got fear. He's got anxiety. He's got worry. He's got a self-hatred, self-pity. He's got all of that, right? And so here's how he says, I'm going to fix my relationship with my dad. I'm going to perform. You remember? That's what he says. He says, I've got the speech. I'm gonna tell him that I don't deserve to be your son anymore. I'm gonna tell him that I, could, I should be your servant, right? And he's like, I'm gonna earn my way back. He's right back on that performance ladder, right? That's what I'm, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna perform and I'm gonna fix it. So he shows up to perform. And what, what happens? He's about to start his speech. Okay, dad, listen, check it out. I'm wrong. Like he starts the performance and what happens? His father doesn't let him perform. He jumps on his son. He falls on his son and celebrates his son and loves his son. Why? Because the dad doesn't want anything from his son. He just wants him home. And the same is true for you and me. We get in this difficult place in our life and we go, okay, I can fix this. And we jump right back on that ladder of performance. I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna work harder. And he doesn't want anything from you. He's done it all. He's accomplished it all. He just wants you home. There's this, this love that he has for us that we can't even begin to understand. I, um, yesterday we were at Epcot with our kids and my daughter is wonderful in so many ways. She is gorgeous like her mother and she's so weird like her father. And, um, and she's just always been like that. Like she's never been a kid where, where she wants like typical toys or something like she's hard to, she's hard to please with that because she's just not interested. You could be like, hey, check out this toy every kid wants. And she's like, I saw that. See that bag of rubber bands over there? You know what I mean? Like that has always been my daughter, right? And I love it. She's space get at. It's fantastic. I never want her to come back to earth. And so we were in, we were in Epcot and we went to the pavilion, the, the Japanese pavilion. And while you're there, it's the coolest store in all of Epcot. Can we all agree on that? That's truth. Okay, it's been spoken. Amen. All right, so... It's got, cause it's got everything. It's got like, it's got the Pokemon stuff that my kids love. It's got Nintendo stuff and whatever. So... While we are in there, my daughter finds something that just captures her heart. Now, is it like a plush stuffed animal like I would hope it would be? No. Is it like some, is it, is it a piece of jewelry that I could buy? No, no, no. Here's what it is. I don't even remember the name of it. It's like Autonotone or something. Here's what it is. It's like an instrument. It's like an electronic instrument. It looks like a saxophone almost, but at the bottom is a face. And the way you make the music come out is you squeeze his face and make his mouth open. 
And the sound that comes out, it, it doesn't so much project music as it just vomits noise is the best way I would describe it, right? Like you just play it and you just do that and it just goes, ah, like out there. And my daughter was like, please, dad, I love him, right? You know what I mean? And I'm just hoping like praying to God that doesn't happen with like a real boy one day. You know what I mean? She brings this kid home and he's like, hi, you know? And I'm like, no, not this one. But anyway, so she like loves this thing and it's so weird. So I took a picture of it. I sent it to my brother and I was like, look how weird this thing is. Like Piper wants it so bad. It, isn't this hilarious? So my brother responds, oops, I just ordered it for her. It'll be at your house tomorrow. So we FaceTime my brother immediately. My daughter is flipping out. She's like jumping up and down. She's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm just so excited. And I was like, yeah, thanks a lot, Drew. And so anyway, she's like, she's just so excited. She gets off the phone. She turns to my wife and she says, Uncle Drew will buy me anything. Now, here's the thing. She's right. Like, she has got him figured out. Like, that is Uncle Drew. He will buy her anything. Here's the thing, though. She's got her Uncle Drew's affection figured out. She will never understand my love for her. Never. She'll tell you all day long that her daddy loves her. She doesn't get it. I would move mountains for that girl. I would give her the world if I could. In fact, I I try to. I hope that I do. I hope that she grows up knowing that her dad did nothing but give to her because that's all I want to do. I want to give her the world. I want to protect her. I want to provide for her. I would would do anything for that little girl. And she can tell me that she gets that. She can tell me, of course, daddy, I know that you love me, but she can't possibly understand how much I love her. Parents, do you agree with me? Parents, do you agree with me? Your, your, Your sons, your daughters can say all day long, yeah, yeah, my parents love me. They don't get it. They don't understand what we would do. They don't understand what we've done. They don't understand what we would do for them. My daughter can't possibly wrap her head around how much she is loved by me and what I would do for her. I think the same thing applies when we think about our heavenly father. We can sing about his love for us all day long and we just did and we should. And we may have an understanding, some sort of small glimpse into how much he loves us. I think one of the reasons why we jump back onto that ladder of performance is because it doesn't make any sense in the world. Why would he want me? When I've done all this, when I've messed all this up, why would he want me? I get why he would want me if I fixed it. I get why he would want me if I performed better. But why, why didn't he want anything from me? Why would he want me? Because we are far more loved than we could possibly imagine. And you might be saying, so are you saying my, my behavior doesn't matter at all? Like I just do whatever I want because God doesn't care how I behave, right? No, that's not what I'm saying. In in fact, what I'm saying is that the do's and the don'ts are transformed by the love of God in our life. Like no longer are they they a, a performance for us to try to earn the love of God. Instead, they're a grateful response to the love of God. In fact, what the scripture tells us is that we've been turned uh, from performers into servants, right? Because you perform out of trying to earn love, you serve out of being loved. Look at Romans 7 tells us, back to Romans 7. But now by dying to what once bound us, we've been released from the law so that we what? So that we serve in the new way of the spirit. Not that we don't behave, not that we don't have do's and don'ts, but instead the motivation is different. Now I'm not trying to earn anything. Instead, I am, I'm serving from a place of love. It's response. I think about like when you're, when you're dating, right? There's a little bit, there's performance there in dating, isn't there? Like, isn't that kind of what you do on a date? It's been, I was trying to think, it's been 20 years since my last first date uh, and it's going real good. Uh, and so I, I was trying to think back, but like, I remember I wanted to impress, right? And I didn't have much to work with, but I wanted to impress, right? 
So I had the nicest Tommy Hilfiger and Timberlands. You know what I mean? I had my hair gelled, either going straight down or straight up. There was no in-between. I don't remember what it was. But I wanted to impress her. Why? Because I wasn't sure where I stood with her. I didn't have her affection yet, right? I had tricked her into going out with me, but that was it, right? Like I didn't have, I, didn't, I wasn't secure in any of that. And so you think about even the things you do while you date. Like for example, I, I, I brought her flowers. Well, part of that was, it was genuine affection. I like you. I like these. Do you like these? Like part of that is genuine affection. You know what the other part of it is? I was trying to earn something from her. I wanted to get on her good side. Like I absolutely wanted her to feel positively towards me. Here, smell these flowers. Forget how bad I smell, right? Like I was trying to earn something. Here we are 20 years later in marriage. Do I still buy her flowers? Yes. But is it with the same motivation? No, absolutely not. I know my love for her and I know her love for me and no little stems from Publix is gonna change that one way or the other, all right? But here's why I buy her flowers today is because I'm out in the world, I see those pretty flowers and I think about my pretty wife and I think about how much I love her and I think about all that she's done for me and I go, I wanna give her the world, I can't, but I can give her these, right? Like I, I, want, to do, I want to do these things now. It's coming from a different place. It's coming from a place of commitment and security and, and affection and gratitude. That's different. And so what God has set us free from is the do's and don'ts, the performance of the do's and don'ts. Instead, now, yes, we absolutely live in a way that pleases God. Yes, I absolutely, I have do's that I try to do. I have don'ts I try not to do, but it's different. I'm not trying to earn his love anymore. I have it, and now I wanna please him. Why in the world do we sacrifice? Why do we give in our lives? Why are we generous like God has called us to be generous? Not to impress him so that he will love us more, but instead because he's been so generous to me. Why would I not wanna be like him? Why do we turn the other cheek and why do we trust him to defend us? Is it so that we can somehow earn his favor? No, we have his favor. It's because he sacrificed so much for me. And so again, it's transformed our lives. We aren't performers anymore. That's not who we are. Now we're servants because we aren't trying to be loved. We are loved. And so you might be saying to yourself, how do I know if I'm choosing performance over relationship? Well, let's go back, um, let's go back to uh, Romans uh, chapter seven. Look at verse four. It's next slide. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. So here's my question. What's the fruit of your relationship with God? In other words, what is being produced in your life because of your relationship with God? When you think about how you relate to him, when you think about whatever that relationship looks like, what's coming out of that? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is there patience in you? Is there kindness growing up in you? Is there goodness in you? Is there gentleness? Or is it fear and anger and jealousy and envy and you fall into the comparison trap comparing yourself to Christians around you? Is it guilt? Is it shame? If it is the latter today, then I bet you've done exactly what I do all the time. I bet you've hopped right back onto that ladder of performance. You're right back into the do's and the don'ts because you've got to get your way back to God. And so you're going to fix it and you're going to do what you know you need to do. And you know what? It makes me think back to that, that prodigal son, right? He showed up ready to perform and the father wouldn't let him. He wouldn't let him. He just wanted his boy home. You know, at the end of the story, the story ends with a, par- it ends with a party. We don't know what happens after, but could you imagine with me what happens after? The son goes back to his room. Maybe he got the room he grew up in. Maybe it's where he's always belonged. And he's, he's exhausted from the trip. He's, he's probably like his, his cheeks hurt 
from smiling and laughing with his friends that he was not sure he'd ever see again. He spent all this time eating at this feast. He's probably full for the first time in weeks. And then maybe he does something immediately after that he hasn't done in months. He lays down and he rests. There's no more performing because that's not what his dad wants. His dad didn't want anything from him. He just wants his son home. And if that's where you are today, you're back on that ladder of performance. Can I just tell you again, God doesn't want anything from you. He just wants you home. He just wants you to rest. I'd love for us to end with an opportunity to do that, to just take a step back and to just rest. So could we now, could could we just bow our head and close our eyes in this time? And I want you to hear Jesus's words to you now. And here they are. Hey, come to me. Are you tired? Are you weary? Hey, are you overwhelmed right now? Are you burdened? Hey, come to me and I'll give you rest. You don't have to perform anymore. You can climb down off that ladder. You don't have to try harder. You don't have to do more. I've done it all for you. I just want you home. So come and rest. God, we are so grateful for your love for us. We're so grateful that you've called us into a relationship with you that the performance is over but God like so many times in my life I'm sure there are brothers and sisters out there right now who something's going on in their life some sort of difficulty some sort of turmoil some sort of brokenness and they're doing what I do so much they're doing what maybe we've been trained to do even they jumped right back on that ladder of performance. They're going to fix it. They know the do's, they know the don'ts, and they're going to get to work. They're going to try harder. They're going to be better. They're going to give you what you want. God, would you speak to their hearts right now? Would you let them know that you don't want anything from them? Because anything they're trying to accomplish, you've already accomplished. It's done. It's done. You don't want anything from them. You just want them. Would you help us like drop the checklist and just come home? Father, you can give us a rest that nothing else can. So if my brothers and sisters need a rest today, would you give them that rest right now? Imagine the relief that the prodigal felt when his father embraced him and welcomed him home. Father, may my brothers and sisters feel that relief today. May they just breathe that sigh of relief. May they feel that burden lighten. 